we have so many issues politically in our nation is because the people of God have kind of gotten set back into churches. We come here to get built up that you and I may go into the world as salt and light. We come here to be instructed and equipped so that we all do the work of the ministry. It's pretty safe to say that most people want their lives to matter, to leave their mark on the world. Well, today, Pastor Daniel teaches that God wants this for you too, but you can't do this hiding out in the church or your house. You have to get out there. You'll learn that God's hope is that you reach out to the people around you with His love and peace. Choosing to be a part of people's lives leaves an incredible legacy, a lasting mark. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Numbers chapter 3 as he continues his message, The Special Work of the Levites. What it says here is that I want you to bring the tribe of Levi near and present them to Aaron, the priest, that they may serve Aaron, right? So the Levites are given to Aaron to serve Aaron, but by serving Aaron, notice what it says, they shall attend to his needs and to the needs of the whole congregation before the tabernacle of meeting to do the work of the tabernacle. Now notice that. This is important. Aaron, as the high priest, they are given to him to take care of him, but they're given to him to take care of him, so they take care of everybody. Now, Aaron, at this time, was the high priest, but in the New Testament, who's our high priest? Jesus, that's right. You guys are smart. You guys read your Bibles. You've been in church. You get it. So the idea is, is we present ourselves to the Lord, and we serve the needs of the Lord. And you know what the needs of the Lord are? The needs of the world. Don't miss that. See, we give our lives to Jesus and God forgives us. And Jesus is like, my work is to do the work of bringing my peace to the world. And we do that through proclaiming the gospel and all that proclaiming the gospel means in social implication. Get that. It's not just a ministry of proclamation. It's proclamation that is undergirded with demonstration. And this is a beautiful part, I believe, of being a follower of Jesus in this generation. Because there was a long time when it's either we just proclaim the gospel, and then there's a group of Christians say, well, we don't like to proclaim it, we just like to demonstrate it. And really the Bible teaches us both. We don't do one at the expense of the other. We do both together. We say, look, we do this because of Jesus, and Jesus died for us, and we are get saved, and you get saved by putting your faith and trust in him. And we're going to live out that reality by taking care of everybody around us, realizing that everybody is our neighbor, and we're going to find ways to not only bless them with the simple needs, but also work for justice in a world that is broken. So we don't have just one focus. We have the whole thing because we give our lives to Jesus and Jesus says, well, look, my work is to take care of the congregation. Now, what I love about this is that our primary focus begins with the people of God 
right? But you realize and I realize that anybody who puts their faith and trust in Jesus in the whole world becomes the people of God. So it begins at home and then it moves out from home and we serve the world at its places of pain in the name of Jesus so that they will realize, I want to be part of the family of God too. So we have to realize we give ourselves to Jesus and we serve his needs and his needs is actually the needs of the whole world. Now, when you think about that, and I didn't even know saying that, and as a pastor here at Crossroads, it's overwhelming when you look at the needs of the world. I mean, there's needs everywhere. But don't forget, the church of Jesus Christ is big. There are people who follow Jesus in every tribe, nation, and tongue. And so we have to get at the things that God lays on our hearts as a church, as individuals. And the key is to find that way that all of us get engaged in all the different things. For some of us, it's international. For some of us, it's local. For some of us, it's national. For some of us, it's kids. And for some of us, it's people on the margins, the poor. And the key is for all of us just to step out and say, okay, this is what I'm called to, and I'm going to serve in that area. But Jesus is the head. It's the needs of Jesus that drive it. But Jesus said, I did not come to the world to condemn the world, but what? That the world through me might be saved. In Matthew 25, he says, if you give a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in my name, you give it to who? To me. So we give our lives to Jesus, and then Jesus gives us to the world just as he came for the world. And that is what we call the mission of the people of God. See, we are called to so much good in this world. And I think that's why we have so many issues politically in our nation is because the people of God have kind of gotten set back into churches. We come here to get built up that you and I may go into the world as salt and light. We come here to be instructed and equipped so that we all do the work of the ministry. And so we come so that we can go. We get equipped so that we can serve. And I love this because they're given to Aaron to attend his needs, and then Aaron's like, well, our needs, we're here to serve the whole congregation. It's a very cool and unique calling that we have here. Now notice, verse 8, they shall attend to all the furnishings of the tabernacle of meeting and the needs of the children of Israel to do the work of the tabernacle. And you shall give the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They are given entirely to him from among the children of Israel. And so you shall appoint Aaron and his sons and they shall attend to their priesthood, but the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. Now, you notice what they're saying here is that the Aaron and his sons and the Levites, they have a very specific focus. And I think one of the things that happens when you get people together, is that because God gives people different focuses, everybody ends up thinking, well, why are you doing that? And I'm doing this, and you should be doing what I'm doing. Right? We end up having this tug of war between callings. Right? And it says in 1 Corinthians that they who judge themselves by themselves are what? They're not wise. Remember when Jesus restored Peter in the end of John's gospel? He said, you know, he asked Peter three times, do you love me? Three times Peter denied you. Three times, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep, tend to my lambs. And then Peter's like, well, what about John? And you know what Jesus says to him? Don't worry about John. you got enough to worry about with yourself. That's what he says to him. He says, listen, it's not about what you follow me. And I think what happens is, is remember, 
in chapter 1 and 2, all the other tribes have a, one focus, and now the Levites get another focus. And you can imagine Levites being, well, why are they getting to do that? I have to do this. And people are like, well, look, the Levites, they have it easy. They just have to deal with the tabernacle. And I think the key is, is we have to stop being like, oh, well, you have to be like me, and I have to be like you, and if you're different than me, then there must be something wrong with me. We never say that. We say there must be something wrong with you, right? And we have to stop doing that because everybody is called to different things. But it's all one global work. And so you can imagine, so really what he's saying here is like, look, the Levites, their only job is the tabernacle of meeting. They don't have other things. It goes so far to say if a foreigner comes in, they'll be put to death. Like, don't be busted in saying, I'm supposed to be here at the tabernacle if you're not a Levite. It's a specific calling. And we have to give each other the grace and give ourselves the grace to be called as God has asked us to be. I, you know, I'll be honest, just a moment of, of openness for me. It's hard for me sometimes because as a pastor, everybody believes I'm called to everything. You know, it's like, it's like, I, like I'm called to do everything. And I, I'll be honest, it's hard because it's like, I can't do everything, right? But I, I have to learn how to be like, Lord, this is what you've called me to. And everything is good and necessary and I want to be involved in everything. But I can only be involved in these things so that I can fulfill those things well. You know, it's kind of like the idea is if you are married and you have children, your first ministry is to your spouse and your kids. And if you're helping everybody else out and you're not helping your kids out, then guess what? You're doing a lousy job fulfilling your calling, right? Because your wife and your kids or your husband and your kids, whatever you've been entrusted with, you have to take care of that. And what we have is in a culture of, of options, everyone feels like they're stretched out in a million directions, so we have to say, God, what have you called me to? What have you equipped me for? What do you have for me? And everyone's is going to be a little different. And we have to be okay to say, look, I think that's great, but I can't do that. And it's an okay thing. Because the Levites were given a very specific job. And God said, look, this is what I want you to do. I don't want anyone else. This is your job to do. And you know what happened if the Levites didn't do their job? It didn't get done. And if you read through the historical books, you know what you start finding? There are times when the priests don't get the job done. They're not teaching the people. They're not taking care of the things of the tabernacle. When they build the temple, they're not taking care of it. And the temple is in disrepair. And the people aren't being taught the things of God. And it's breaking down because they're not focused on their calling. And so God says, look, I want you to be focused on what I've called you to. I want you to be focused on what I've called you to. And then notice what it says in verse 11 is interesting. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, now behold, I myself have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of every firstborn who opens the womb among the children of Israel. Therefore, the Levites shall be mine because all the firstborn are mine. On the day that I struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified to myself all the firstborn in Israel, both man and beast. They shall be mine. I am the Lord. Now, God, we're never making it through chapter four today, okay? I'm just going to just call it right now. Okay? This is no way. It was the best laid plans of Pastor Daniel. Great. Listen, what he says is that instead of the firstborn being mine, I'm taking the Levites in their place. Now, the concept of the firstborn is important. 
the idea here is when cattle were born, the firstborn were given to the Lord. When a harvest was taken, the first fruits were given to the Lord. The idea is, is that the very beginning, be, the concept is that it's all the Lord's. The only reason you have offspring, the only reason you have cattle, the only reason you have a harvest is because the Lord did it. The idea is, is that thing is not our source, but God is our source. So the principle of the firstborn, the first fruits, has a lot in our Bible. And I'm here to tell you, how does this apply to our lives? You have to realize that everything you have is a gift. That's what it is. The breath in your lungs, the giftings, the talents. If you have a job, that. If you have kids, them. They are not yours. They are the Lord's. And we are stewards. Now, you know what happens? I talked about an individualistic culture that we live in. You know what our culture tells us? It's all yours. Do what you want with it. And so we believe that we're owners when really we are called to be facilitators and stewards. And so what we do is because we see our life that we own it as opposed to it's the Lord's and I get to live it, we start to take ownership over things that aren't ours. And you know what you call that? Stealing. When you take something that's not yours and you pretend like it's yours, that makes you a thief. Right? And so for many of us, what we do is we look at our lives and how we live and we say, the first fruit is mine and the second fruit and the third fruit and the fourth fruit. If I have anything left, maybe I'll give it to the Lord. And I'm here to tell you that when you live your life that way, you completely miss out on what God is doing. And I can tell you that from really personal life experience. I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't grow up hearing this stuff. And my life was my life. I could do whatever I want. I could put anything I wanted to put in my body. I could do that. It's mine. I'm going to have a good time. Until I realized that I was robbing God. And God has a plan for my life. See, now what happens, and this is what I want to encourage you. Because you know now I'm going to say, listen, you need to give God your whole life. You need to learn how to give God the first fruits of everything. That when you wake up in the morning, rather than saying, I'm going to give all of my energy to my job, and if I got anything left over, which I normally don't, I'd give it to the Lord. You got to say, no, Lord, my life is yours, and I'm going to give some energy to my job because that honors you, and you've given me vocation as a job, but there's going to be gas in the tank for you. When I do my finance, I'm going to say, Lord, the first is yours, because it's all yours. You just let me get to play with 90% of it. Do you ever realize that? Like when it talks about a tie, that's a tenth. I love the fact that God only asked for a tenth. You know why? Because if it was any of us, we'd ask for like 50%, right? It's like the first 50% is mine. See, God's like, look, I want the first tenth is mine, and then you get to do what you want to do with 90, the other 90%. You know what's amazing about that? When you realize it's all the Lord's, you're like, Lord, it's all yours. What do you want me to do with this? And God doesn't say you have to never have anything. You don't get to enjoy it. It's not what it is. But we need to live our lives, not just financially, but with our gifts and the things that we're... When you say, Lord, my life is yours, how do you want to use it? Now, if you're like me, and you've already made mistakes in this area, I realize that unwinding a life that's lived where it's your own life, that takes a little time. But you have to make a plan to change that life. You have to say, look, I don't ever give God the first fruits of anything, Right? Just start by waking up tomorrow and the first thing you do after you use the bathroom and get a cup of coffee is spend time with the Lord. Start there. You know why I say that? 
I remember what it was like when I first came to know Jesus, and I'm like, man, I'm just so busy, and my life's all out of order. I'm like, well, I'll, I'll pray before bed. You know what I call praying before bed? Sleeping. Right? Because you, you go to pray, you shut your eyes, and next thing you know, it's like the next morning. And you, and you didn't even get one sentence out, right? You didn't have any connection with the Lord. It was like, you shut your eyes, it's the end of the day, you're exhausted. And I once heard Charles Spurgeon, the great, the prince of preachers, maybe the most famous English preacher in history, right? He said, I will never look into the eyes of another man before I first look into the face of my Savior. That's a good word, isn't it? You give him the first fruits of your day. You say, Lord, I'm coming to you this morning. And then some of you are readers, you love to read. And what I found is that as you start reading the scriptures in the morning, you start getting an appetite for the scriptures. So in the beginning, you read one psalm. And then before you know it, you're like, man, I read a whole book this morning. And I don't know where the time went because you develop an appetite for these things. But start there. Maybe you're looking at your finances and because you've never given God your first fruits and you never realize that your checkbook is the Lord, it's not yours. You're looking at your finances like, man, this is all messed up. How could I ever give God the beat? You have to start somewhere. You have to say, Lord, I'm going to start doing things differently. Again, it's not just finance. That's just one area of stewardship. It's our bodies, what we're passionate about, what we do with our time and our energy. So if you're like me, I remember when I got saved, it was so out of order. And, and I, would I would love to say, hey, oh, yeah, God saved me and everything changed. And all of a sudden I became a great Christian man. And that's just not true. And that's still not true today. God's working on me. He's working on all of us. We're all growing. But you got to just take the next step. Lord, this is what you're laying. And I believe that in each one of our hearts right now, God is saying, I want you to make, I want you to give me the first fruits here. I want you to, and just take that step of faith and respond to Jesus and then let God do the next thing and say, Lord, I want to honor you with my finances. I want to honor you with my energy. I don't want to give all my energy to my job. I want to have gas in the tank to be able to serve you because I want to serve kids. I want to serve students. I want to greet people when they come to Crossroads. I want to go to Second Saturday. And I want to get involved in a mission trip. Whatever it is, you just got to start doing it because the first fruits is the Lord's. Why? Because this earth is the Lord's. All of us we live and move and have our being because the Lord gives us life, breath, and all things. If you have a talent and you have a job, or maybe you don't have the talents, but you're sticking to it because you have a job, that's all because of the Lord. And we have to learn how to be people who live where God gets first place. And I love what he says here, because he says, look, the Levites, they're mine. Why? In verse 13, because all the firstborn are mine. You know what, he's, you know what all means? All. That's right. You guys are Bible scholars. I love that about the Lord. God says what he means and he means. He says, look, it's all, it's mine. And he's like, so I'm taking the Levites. He references back to the 10th plague, the death of the firstborn. He's like, the Levites are mine. They shall be mine. Why? Because I am the Lord. You know, I was thinking about that phrase today, the I am the Lord phrase. I believe that that, those four words, those are the words that change everything for us, don't they? That reality, I am the Lord. See, when God says that, that should cure our anxiety, that should cure our fear, that should strengthen and empower us. When he says, I am the Lord. And so when God asks us to do something that he knows is a step of faith for us, and then he says, listen, I am the Lord, we should be like, okay, well, he is the Lord, so he's got that. 
But oftentimes we're so used to reading, I am the Lord, that it's kind of we just yawn and go on to the next verse. When he says, I'm the Lord, we should be like, bam. You know what I mean? I mean, you don't have to say bam. That's the way I would say it. Maybe you'd say some other word. You know what I mean? It's just like, booyah, like exclamation point. There it is. He's the Lord. And I think for each one of us, we have to learn how to just put that on the end of our lives. He's the Lord. He's the master. He's the creator, the sustainer. We talked about it on Sunday, didn't we? That he's holy and that he deserves all eternal praise and he's the redeemer of the nations. We talked about all this on Sunday. He's the Lord. And the Lord loves you and I. And the Lord is doing a work of transformation in all of our lives. And not only in our lives, but what? Through our lives. Because transformed people transform people. That's how it goes. Our lives are in his hands. Not one of us is going to live one breath longer than God has prescribed for us. And we want to live those lives well. We want to get to the end of our days and say, God, that was a God thing. What a crazy, wild, extravagant, nuts life I've lived. But you know what happens? If we're not careful, life gets away from us, doesn't it? If we don't keep a jealous guard over it, it gets away years, decades, get away from us. And if you're here today and you're like, man, my life's getting away from me, you need to just come back and say, look, you're the Lord. I give it to you afresh today. I don't have anything left in the tank to honor you with. My whole life, will you help reorder my life and give me the baby steps to change this by your spirit? He deserves the first fruits. Why? Because they're his anyway. It's just a matter if we're stealing or not. Now, look at verse 14. We get the census commanded. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses at the wilderness of Sinai, saying, Number the children of Levi. By their father's houses, by their families, you shall number every male from a month old and above. So Moses numbered them according to the word of the Lord as he was commanded. Now, if you remember the other censuses, or maybe it would be sensai would be the proper way to, it's not, but it just sounded fun anyway. You know, I like words. I make them up as we go, so it's fun. Everybody else was numbered from 20 years and above. Now it's one month. Why? Because the other census was about people who were going to be going to battle. And this is about people who are going to be serving and set apart for the work of the tabernacle. So it wasn't about fitness for service. It was, this is the number of people that we have who are going to be able to get into the service. So it's unique in that way. Jesus is Thanks for listening in as Pastor Daniel encouraged you to give God the first fruits of your life. It's hard to remember that you aren't the center of the universe, but the reality is that all you have is a gift from God. You're just taking care of it for a while. Pastor Daniel challenged you to identify an area of your life where you aren't giving God first place and make a plan to change. When you actively step out in faith, God will show up and lead you as you continue to respond to Him. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy, and the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, you can. 
but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances of your life. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel continues to look at the specific areas of ministry the different Levite families were given. You'll be reminded that each role was unique and important. Just as the Levites worked together to take care of the tabernacle and the people of God, so you are called to serve God and love others. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time. Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Camp. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.